This is David in Valley City, North Dakota. I train in Taekwondo, and I support Karate Cafe. Hello again, everybody. It's Paul with Karate Cafe here with a new new episode. Clearly, it's an older episode, but this is a new part of the old episode. I don't... Uh, a rerun episode? I don't know. Call it what you will. Uh, this is a uh, rerun and kind of an actually timely one, even though I'm actually getting it out kind of late. This is an interview that we had, uh, episode number 66, with uh, author Dee Dee Goodman, who uh, wrote the Kids Karate Workbook. And we uh, talked to her on the show. We talked about training with the children and, and all that good stuff and why she wrote the book and uh, how it can be used. And by a happy coincidence here, many, many years later, actually last Thursday, uh, Dee Dee was in town here in Austin, Texas. And she and her husband, John, stopped by, and they trained at our school, and we got a chance to chit-chat with them. Uh, she was here for a, uh, a women martial arts instructor conference, which I, I'm hoping we're going to find some more information out about that uh, down the road, maybe get some interviews out of that. But uh, that brought to mind my whole idea of providing the, the reruns for our off weeks, and so... Here's one of those, and uh, I hope you'll enjoy it just as much as you all did uh, the last time. You're going to hear some old voices from the podcast, and uh, you'll uh, hear it all again for the first time. Uh, just a reminder, uh, you, if you want to support the show, we'd love to have it. Go to the website, click on Donate, or use the link to uh, shop at Amazon. If you do that, let us know, and you too can uh, record a blurb letting everyone know that you support Karate Cafe. And without further ado... Here is The Gang and Dee Dee Goodman from episode 66. This episode of Karate Cafe is brought to you by Piranha Gear. Go to www.piranagear.com to put a little bite in your fight. Karate Cafe was recorded before a live internet audience. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Karate Cafe's podcast. I'm Gene Myers, a student of Chibanaha Shorinru Karate and Two Circle Jiu-Jitsu. Thanks for joining us for episode number 66. We think we've got a great show for you today. Uh, joining us will be noted author and martial arts practitioner Dee Dee Goodman to discuss her literary projects, her martial arts training, and anything else she darn well wants to talk about. Uh, but before we begin... Let's say hello to our uh, co-host for today. Uh, this guy, is uh, you know him well. He's, uh, he's so tough. Uh, his blood type isn't type A or B or even O. It's uh, AK-47. He's a student and instructor of Shorinru Kenshinkan Karate and the owner of White Rock Kenshinkan Dojo in Dallas, Texas, USA. Please welcome Paul Wilson. Hey, Paul, how you doing today? Hey, Gene. I am glad to be here. Glad to actually get the show recording. And uh, glad to have our guest. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, and I've been looking forward to this interview for some time. Um, I've read uh, Dee Dee's book, and uh, I'm, I've been inspired. It's given me a lot of ideas for uh, teaching the kids in our dojo. So uh, anyway, why don't, we, uh, why don't we get right to Dee Dee. Uh, tell us a little bit about her, if you would, Paul. Sure thing. Uh, our guest tonight, as you may have heard, is Dee Dee Goodman. She is a fifth-degree black belt in Kung Nu Karate. It's a Vietnamese style, and I hope I got that right. I'm sure Dee Dee will uh, let me know if I did or not. Um, uh, over 30 years' experience in martial arts, uh, including um, uh, Taekwondo and Aikido, and uh, over 20 years as a martial arts trainer. And the reason why we have her on is uh, uh, she's also the founder and chief instructor of the uh, Kung Nu Redwood Dojos in Berkeley and Oakland, California, one of my favorite, top 50 states. Um, uh, she wrote a book that uh, was forwarded to us for review, and it's called The Kids Karate Workbook, a take-home training guide for young martial artists. And it is chock-full of great information on uh, teaching kids and uh, basics for new martial artists, how to practice at home, all kinds of things. We're going to get to that. Um, the reason I, I really wanted to have her on, um, Gene, I know you do teach kids, uh, right? Yes, I do. Yep, uh, uh, but I don't. Uh, I, I have a, a 13-year-old student that came to me when she was uh, 12, and she actually came from another school. So I really don't have a whole lot of experience uh, teaching kids. So one of the great things about having uh, Dee Dee on was maybe she can uh, help me out with that, and also we can, just like the, the title says, uh, tips, tricks, and traps. Uh, anyway, uh, so without further ado, let's introduce Dee Dee. Dee Dee, are you there? 
Hi. Hi. Hi guys. Thanks hey. for the nice intro. Well, welcome to uh, Karate Cafe. Uh, like I say, we've been uh, we've been very excited about this for some time, and uh, we're glad you could you could come on and talk to us a little bit about uh, about uh, your experience and your training and your teaching and uh, about uh, about the book. Yeah, um, I'd love to. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, just to start, um, how and and when did you first become interested in the martial arts? Well, I was a college student at the time, and uh, you had to have PE credit at the college I was at. What college was that, Dee Dee? That was uh, Reed College in Portland, Oregon. And uh, most of the folks back then took modern dance to get their PE requirement, and I just really didn't want to do that. And uh, one day I saw some friends of mine practicing kicks in the uh, dorm living room, and I said, uh, what's, what's that you guys are doing? I want to try that. Turned out they were Taekwondo students. They were working on their roundhouse kick over the chairs in the living room. And I uh, begged them to take me to their class, and the rest is history, I guess. I pretty much never stopped after that. So that was your uh, your introduction to the martial arts and the, your first art that you trained in, because you, you trained in, in at least a couple, two or three here, was mm-hmm. uh, Taekwondo. Is that right? That's right, yes. Okay. And then you also studied Aikido for a little while. Is that right? I did. I uh, I really love Aikido. I I uh, really discovered Aikido when I was attending a, a multi-style training camp, Palma Camp. Palma is the Pacific Association of Women Martial Artists. And back in the 80s, I learned about them, and I went to one of their uh, training camps, and while there saw some really... Uh, amazing Aikido instructors doing a demo. And that really uh, captured something in my mind, although I didn't take it up right away. I was quite happy with kicking and punching and lots more kicking. And that remains uh, kind of my favorite thing to do. But the the image of that Aikido demo stuck with me. And a couple of years later, I took that up as well. And I studied very hard at it for about four four years or so. At that time, I opened my dojo, and I was no longer able to go back and forth and continue my regular Aikido training. I did uh, pick it up here and there over the years, maybe adding three more years steady training. But because it's a component of the art I study, um, I try to keep up my skills there and uh, keep it going as a part of my art. So you trained for a number of years in Taekwondo and Aikido. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the style you train in now, Kong Nu, and, and what attracted you to that style after training for so many years in, in Taekwondo and Aikido? Well, that's an easy answer because Kung Nu is a, a blended art. Some people would say an eclectic art. It draws from many different styles openly. So, And... Uh, when I, a friend of mine who had been in Taekwondo was studying Kung Nu. I'm not sure how she happened into it, but she asked me to come check out the school, and that was when I was just really into Aikido alongside my Taekwondo, and what I saw right away was that Kung Nu does both of those things together in one art. And uh, I thought, well, this this may be the right place for me. I can... Uh, train full out, I can develop my skills in both these areas, and as it turns out, in more areas. Another thing that appealed to me about Kung Nu was that uh, they did a lot of weapons training, and the Taekwondo schools I had been in did no weapons training at all at that time, although it's more common nowadays for schools to have other arts um, taking place under the same roof. Back then, we were pretty much just kicking and punching and uh, going to tournaments. So the chance to study bow and short stick uh, right away, because I had some years of experience behind me, that drew me into the school as well. And uh, it really became my martial arts home. I've been there ever since. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty cool. You've got uh, you've got quite a resume there. 
how long have you been teaching kids? Now, let's see. I probably started teaching kids around 1989 or 90 as I was coming up through the ranks in Kung Nu. So uh, we can do the math there. It's been a while. <laughs> um, I Actually, I want to share that I didn't want to teach kids when I first started because uh, a lot of people are afraid of teaching kids and they might want to hear this. I wasn't a person who wanted to teach kids at the outset, but... There I was in a new school. I already had a black belt, but I was coming back up through the ranks, and I was really looking for an outlet for uh, all of the knowledge I thought I had, as we often feel when we're coming up through the ranks in an art. And uh, the instructor at the dojo didn't need help uh, teaching the adults, but he needed help teaching the kids. So I had an opportunity as a green belt in Kung Nu to start assisting in the kids' class, and that was the only opportunity I had for teaching at that time, so I decided, hey, you know, I'll just give this a try, and I really had no idea what I was in for, and uh, that's probably why I learned so much from it. <laughs> Absolutely. Kids have a way of uh, of teaching us, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you must, you must love it, because... Uh, Clearly, you put a lot of thought and effort into the kids' karate workbook. Um, and uh, as an instructor, I've read it cover to cover, and I got to tell you, I'm I'm uh, I'm really enjoy the way you, uh, uh, you you transcend pretty much all of the striking arts, and and you apply principles that are common to all of the arts, as you indicate in the book. Um, and and it's got uh, some great activities and and some great. Uh, 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 demonic devices, if you would, to help kids like like to learn and to remember. Um, tell us a little bit about like uh, why you wrote the book. What 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 made you decide to uh, put all these ideas down in paper on paper in, in book form and and uh, and you know uh, what what's the feedback been on it? I, I know I I think it's just great. Okay, well thanks so much. I'm so glad you like it and uh, find it helpful. Um, how did I come to write it? I, I've always been a writer, and I did, uh, back in the early 90s, I actually wrote an article about learning to teach kids from the point of view of someone who hadn't wanted to do it. And because of that article, the um, head of our style of Kung Nu once uh, asked me whether I might participate in writing a kid's training manual. At that time, more schools were considering the possibility of teaching kids classes, and our style has always had uh, curriculum manuals on, in print, but there wasn't one for kids. And at the time, uh, this, this is going to sound like a theme, I never want to do what I'm about to do. <laughs> at the time, I didn't really want to write a book about kids. I wanted to write you know, serious adult philosophical martial arts stuff. Oh. And, uh, but I put it in the back of my mind, and when the head of the style asks you to do something, you do take note of that. Um, and also, over the years, parents ask for a book. They say, do you have something in writing? Is there a book we can use to practice at home? And again, I would think, well, you, you can't really do it from a book. You really just need to pay attention in class. And, uh, I was reluctant to have a book for parents, but I figured out that they were going to find something, good or bad, if they really wanted it, and they were going to practice at home with the kids, rightly or wrongly, and so why not have them do it my way? Absolutely. That's by, uh, by creating the book. It did take me a long time to come around to it and to... Uh, sit down to do it, but by the time I did, I had been doing this for so many years, it was really just like pouring out the contents of my mind, because I have taught so many kids, and the themes are the same year after year and generation after generation. Humans are built a certain way, and they make certain kinds of mistakes and follow certain kinds of tips 
better than others. And so once I found an illustrator who could handle a project this big, which was also a big hurdle, um, we just sat down and did it. And uh, it was great, and I'm really proud of the result. And the illustrations are really good. I mean, uh, uh, they're very detailed, and, and you can clearly see, you know, uh, what uh, what you're trying to communicate through them. Uh, you, you, it looks like you got a, a really – did you do the illustrations yourself? Or? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, one thing that put this project on the back burner for many years, actually, was – being able to find someone who could do that many illustrations. I tried doing them myself. I tried snapping pictures and tracing, and uh, gradually over the years, Photoshop came into use. And <laughs> uh, But this took a professional photographer. Linda Nakaya uh, is a professional photographer. She happens also to be a member of the Berkeley Dojo by the way, in the intro, it sounded like Redwood Dojo has a branch in Berkeley, but that's not true. My teacher's dojo is in Berkeley. Um, Linda is a student at the Berkeley Dojo and also a very talented photographer and artist. And when I got her to come on board with this, uh, it was great. We we had photo sessions, and she worked the photos around to show just what we wanted. It took a tremendous amount of work. There are over 200 pictures in there. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that we always run into, uh, you know, here on the, on the, on the show and, and talking with other people is, you know, you can write something down or you can explain it to them, but to be able to see it is in a, a huge boon. Uh, and, and yeah, so it's it's great to have all those awesome pictures you got in there just because of the fact that, I mean, you can tell somebody a kick or, you know, an arm strike, uh, elbow strike or, or whatever, but as long as they can see it, um, you know, that's a, a huge, huge help. And I imagine that's going to be a, a big undertaking because, hey, uh, did you write the book first and then go do all the uh, illustrations after, or did you kind of work, well, with, work through them? Yeah, uh, I had the skeleton of it with the techniques and the list of the pictures I'd need, but that kind of grew and changed and evolved as we went. So uh, I really wanted it to feature a lot of not-like-this photos and so that we could show the common errors, because I actually think that's more instructive in photos than correct ways, because photos are actually ambiguous, just like words. So you can't really learn something strictly from a book, as you guys all know, as martial artists. You need a teacher, and you need to be out there moving your body. Uh, but not like this, photos can zero in on, okay, your wrist is bent. You've got to fix that. Um, your foot's turned the wrong way. You've got to fix that. It's easy to zero in on a little part of the picture for those. So that kind of thing... Uh, caused it to change and evolve, and then that would have influenced how I was explaining the technique in the main paragraph. So there was a lot of uh, evolution as it went. Uh, hey, and I just want to remind everybody, uh, we just actually had somebody else pop on, uh, a listener. Um, just to remind anyone who is listening live, you can uh, email in questions for Didi at uh, karatecafe at gmail.com. Uh, if you're part of the tech savvy youth or anyone who's just, you know, on top of the game, you can actually text us at 469-844-5791 and uh, we can pass those questions along to Didi. Or if you're listening on TalkShoe and uh, want to IM us, you can just IM us straight right there. One, uh, one other aspect of the book and that, that I was very impressed with uh, not just the uh, uh, the detail of the various techniques, you know, uh, and and through the illustrations and through through uh, uh, these uh, uh, you know uh, verbal explanation of the techniques, how and how to do them, how not to do them. Uh, it's more than just techniques. It's it's uh, uh, there there are principles in there, and uh, again, you know, uh, throughout the entire book, it's not just the nuts and bolts karate, you know. Uh, technical kind of a manual. Um, so uh, there, there are very 
some important principles that uh, uh, that the book conveys. Uh, Didi, what do you think are some of the most important principles that you try to encourage in your young students through the book? Hmm. <clears throat> I guess, um, well, the two biggest concepts that I'm always talking about, one of them is respect, <laughs> uh, and the other one is practice. I guess if we're talking about techniques, practice and practice some more and never quit practicing. Um, if, if if that's the kind of principle you were talking about, I I do want them to understand that it's about a lot more than collecting some techniques. Your your art, whatever style you're in, will have a list of techniques you're supposed to master. But I want students to understand that that list of techniques isn't what the martial art is. They're just a means to learning about respect, about self-control, about self-discipline and persistence, keeping at something, uh, enjoying perfecting something with your body and with your mind. I guess that sounds kind of highfalutin, but that's really what it's all about, isn't it? And we have to find ways to uh, convey that to kids that will uh, get through to them and keep them working out and pursuing valuable practices through their lives. Even if they quit martial arts, they may quit with some values that they'll carry over to whatever they pursue. Uh, Didi, uh, did you find, I mean, is, is that the, the biggest hurdle? I mean, uh, and again, like, like I was saying in the, in the intro, I, and I don't really teach kids, so <laughs> one of the things I'm going to play is, is, is A, you know, steal steal as many ideas as I can in case I do uh, one day start teaching kids and also to play kind of devil's advocate of like, you know, hey man, this is teaching kids. This is some of the problems with teaching kids is, is just, you know, getting them to focus because uh, like, like in, in my school, we have class, our class, we only have class two days a week. It starts at seven thirty. Uh, you know, even I'm pretty tired at, uh, <laughs> at yeah. that time. So, um, you know, what have you found that that's good? Um, to help keep them focused, help keep them practicing, help them keep them, you know, jazzed up in class. Yeah, that's that's the big issue, I guess. Uh, I uh, oh, there's hundreds of tips and tricks, I guess. You you use tips and tricks in the title of the show, but I think the main thing is just to have it be nonstop action. From start to finish, action could include sitting down and talking, but uh, being prepared to switch gears, doing a lot of things uh, at a high level of excitement for short periods of time. Sometimes you have to switch gears five times in the course of a class. Uh, keep the energy up. I I really think though that if you love what you're teaching and you're excited about it, the kids will be excited about it. And if you're exhausted from work when you arrive at the dojo, but you're still excited about martial arts, and you tell the kids, wow, guys, you know, I'm really tired today. How about if we just take a nap? And they will laugh, and they know you don't mean it, and then you say, well, let's just work out for an hour, and you just go to it. They will rise to that. Just you, mean, you mean I can't take a nap? <laughs> or, well, that would be risky, but... Because, you know, I'm a man of my word. That's, yeah. That's why I like to... Um, you know, I, I, I was uh, paging through the book again, just to, trying to pick up on some of the things that I wanted to ask you about, because it's actually been a, a little while since we got it. Um, one of the things that I, I did notice is, and that I think is really kind of keen, is that at the end of some of the chapters, you have, you know, little quizzes on, mm -hmm. uh, and um, you have... Uh, uh, and they're kind of uh, quote unquote generic, you know. And and like on on the techniques, you generally gave it, you know, the Japanese uh, pronunciation, and then I assume the the Vietnamese pronunciation. And uh, so, how did you work through this to to pick out the techniques? Because they're all techniques for the most part that are you know kind of general martial art techniques: side kick, back kick, you know, spinning kick, 
uh, et cetera. Uh, what was the process to, I mean, did you, you know, kind of throw all the nuts and bolts in and then start pulling stuff out? Or did you, you know, have kind of a focus on what you wanted to include? Uh, I could answer that two ways. But one of them is that I, in all the styles and schools, I worked my way through over the years, moving from one city to another and taking a different style. Uh, every one of them started with the same basics. And I took those basics we all start with, it seems. Uh, it happens also that it follows the Kung Nu curriculum from uh, day one, more or less. I modified it slightly to bring some Taekwondo techniques uh, earlier in the book than they might have come uh, if it were a Kung Nu book. Uh, the Kung Nu curriculum at this level pretty much matches Shotokan karate. And really, everyone starts with pretty much the same basics. Everyone who uh, studies an art similar to these kicking and punching arts, the forward stance, the rising block, lower block, middle block. I can still remember my first days in uh, three different Taekwondo schools. and we learned the same stuff, even though they were different uh, uh, styles of Taekwondo, I guess you'd call it. And the same stuff on the first day in the Kung Nu Karate class. So it's really held in common by those arts. So I didn't have to go through much of a process of choosing other than to follow our own curriculum. Uh, I did want to move down some of the kicks that in our style we consider more, quote, advanced, simply because we have other uh, items in the curriculum that kids have to learn first. But I didn't want uh, Taekwondo folks to feel like I was leaving out their good stuff. The more kicks, the better. <laughs> uh, actually, that just popped a little thing in my head. I got an email from a parent a few weeks ago, and they said they were trying to decide between uh, I teach uh, part-time or teach one of my classes in a in a dance school. And um, uh, I guess a, a lady who has her daughter there in, in school emailed me and said, you know, I have a, a daughter, my, you know, she's in dance. I'm thinking about getting her uh, into martial arts. And uh, there's, a, there's a Taekwondo school like in the same shopping area as us. And they said, so I'm trying to think of decide between Taekwondo, and then I saw your flyer, so, you know, like, what's the difference? <laughs> and and I was kind of, and the her daughter's like six or eight or something like that. I can't remember which it was. Um, but, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, in my head, I'm going like, well, not much, really, at that level, yeah. you know, at that age. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and and thinking about, you know, back about the book, and, and I was thinking, you know, what do we, and I guess I'm, I'm asking this as an instructor, is like, you know, how much do you teach? Because, uh not, uh, anytime I say this, I sound like a, you know, like the guy. The guy I don't want us to be is, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, our our techniques are we're really kind of a self-defense based art, and our techniques are kind of not brutal by by uh, what I would say. But I mean, we we train kind of seriously, and we train kind of hard, and some of our techniques are techniques that really, you know, you need to be kind of responsible using. And so right. passing that on to uh, six year old. a six-year-old up to, you know, even a 13-year-old and stuff like that is, yeah. is you know, you got to pay attention to this. you got to focus on this. So, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on that, on, on, on the level of stuff that you teach uh, kids and, and then the um, – but maybe even the quality of technique, you know, you know what's, mm-hmm. you know what's good, what's what's you know good enough, you know, at that age, what is too advanced? Right. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, issues in there in what you just said. Uh, we definitely, and I hope all instructors definitely uh, take out some of the more dangerous techniques that we would teach to beginning adults as self-defense techniques, including the idea of kicking someone in the side of the knee, for example, uh, because a person can accidentally break someone's knee. Uh, But we talk to kids about 
serious self-defense situations and uh, when it would be okay to do something that really hurt someone and when it wouldn't. But you can't have a class in which you have a lot of young kids uh, practicing throwing dangerous techniques at vital, breakable parts of their bodies. So we do take certain things out that are in the adult curriculum and put them back in when the kids are older and have demonstrated a certain level of responsibility. Um, in terms of quality of techniques, it's true that uh, the level of performance between a child and an adult body is not going to be the same. Although among kids, there's very wide variation, and you'll find some very young kids who are just very physical and in their bodies who can do really sharp, powerful movements. The average kid can't and won't look like that. Some kids won't even come close, and yet you have to uh, learn how to look at them and judge them in terms of their own abilities. You're teaching them an art. Uh, you're also teaching them how to use their body and improve their balance and their strength, and you're teaching them how to love physical activity, which is a much bigger part of it for kids than it is for adults who already make their own decisions about what they love and what kind of exercise they're going to get. Um, so, yes, the standards are a little bit different. It's also not good for a kid's body to do a lot of hard, uh, focused movement in large rep numbers of repetitions because they're growing and it, it can damage them if they overdo it, <clears throat> which I think uh, parents are seeing in a lot of other sports where kids are overdoing it, overdoing repetitions and suffering joint problems and stress fractures. Uh, we have to be aware of the same thing. So what we are going for is teaching the kids to love repetition and to love trying to perfect something, but we're not demanding of them that they perform it as though they're in an adult body. I don't know if that is a helpful answer or not. A lot of it has to come from experience and looking at kids and seeing what they can do. So, And, and then I, I guess that the following question is that is, is the flip side of, of that coin is, you know, at what point, um, I guess maybe <clears throat> at what point do you, do you, uh, you, you, are you honest with the kid and go like, you know, uh, and again, this is just you know my impression of I'm not teaching kids is you know like, like my uh, 13 year old there's there's techniques she can't do I mean she just her body won't let her do them uh, you know she doesn't have the you know the the mass she doesn't have the you know the, the gumption I don't know what do you what do you want to call it but anyway she you know so at what point do you have to be honest with the student and go like okay yes you're very good at forms and you're very good at and you understand you know the technique but but you can't do the technique yet you know so you know don't put that in your bag of tricks to defend yourself you know or or, or you know where do we where do we say like okay yeah, you can defend yourself kinda but you know you still need to go a long way so that way and I guess also then this is the the follow-on question to the follow-on question, which which is like, you know, do you adjust the ranking and the uh, the amount of training for that rank accordingly? Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I mean, do we, if you have people that are, you know, you've seen, you know, five-year-old kids with black belts and, and, and I'm like, well, you know, that kid is walking around thinking they're a black belt, right. which, which they are, you know, but, and, and, and on the curriculum that they may have trained on, they may be a black belt of that curriculum, but you know, are they a black belt in martial arts from a defense standpoint? And as, as an instructor, do we? I mean, we do have a, a responsibility, but where, you know, do you look at that and go like, okay, how honest do I have to be with the student, or in, in order to keep them motivated and keep them, you know, excited right. about what they're doing, but also let them know, go like, but, but you know, you're not the bee's knees, so remember that. <laughs> yeah, you've raised about a hundred questions, and luckily they're all ones that all of us kids' teachers talk about all the time. Uh, so maybe I can remember them, a few of them, <laughs> one by one. Uh, in terms of being honest with a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, I'm completely honest. I just, if, 
if it's about self-defense, I'd say, you know, uh, uh, so-and-so, uh, you're not going to be able to save your life with that technique. You know, you're either going to have to make it sharper or let's look at something else for you. Uh, I Being honest is great with kids, and it can inspire, and it can also uh, help them find the way to do their best, whatever it is. Um, in terms of, uh, let's see, curriculum changes. Uh, well, if we talk about belt ranks, like if your question about the 12 or 13-year-old was, she can't do that technique, so does she get to take this next test or not, where this technique is required? That's another kind of question that people uh, wrestle with all the time. And I think those of us who work with a lot of kids um, do develop kind of a system or rule of thumb way of modifying requirements somewhat uh, to keep kids going because we know that they are going to mature in their bodies and in their minds, and they will come to a point where they'll be able to do better at those things. And we also know that we have a different set of goals in part. Um, what I talked about, about teaching them to love certain things, to have certain values, to have uh, certain mental skills of persistence and determination. Um, on the other hand, there are certain places where you might just draw the line in your style. This is what it's about, and someone who can't do that can't go any farther, and that's perfectly valid also. In terms of five-year-old black belts, I'm not a big proponent of that. Uh, kids in uh, Kung Nu take many, many years to earn black belt, and that causes a lot of kids to drop out and perhaps some of them go over to a different school nearby where they, their eight-year-old friend has a black belt. And um, that's okay. I mean, I, I don't want to be the person telling those other schools that what they're doing is wrong. They, they're doing something different. Um, we're doing what we do. I try to do it my best. I try to uh, let parents and students know how valuable what we're offering is and how it's worth sticking with for years and years and that it's not about the belt. And then when those kids do stick with it for all those years and get that belt, it's really worth something. So these are kind of choices that an instructor makes, and different choices are valid. Uh, I'm never the one to say that my way is the only way. And I think uh, if you decided to have a kids program, you would you'd consider them just the way you have been. It sounds like, and you'd make some choices. But first, you you do work with a lot of kids, and you see how much they're capable of, and that will affect your your choices to some degree. Um, Didi. What do you see as uh, the most significant challenges facing martial arts instructors today? Hmm. What's your opinion of that? In regard to just in 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 teaching kids and teaching adults in, in as far as the, the direction in which martial arts are going, um, maybe this is kind of a, a, a veiled question in in, in house which way society is going, but... Uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> You're going to get me in trouble, bro. <laughs> is that what you're trying to do here? <laughs> no, no ma'am. You know, I've been there before myself, so, you know, I, I'll take some company. But uh, do, you any, uh, uh, do you have any concerns about the future of martial arts, or do you... Uh, well, gosh, you know, I'm... I guess I'd call myself a traditional martial artist, Amen. whatever that means. And uh, I value a great deal about what I consider traditional martial arts, where the training has value in character development and uh, 
development of the mind. Um, and I would like everyone to want to train in that way. I, I'm not a huge fan of uh, big commercialized bouts with scantily clad women uh, walking across in the middle. <laughs> Uh, you know, I know a lot of a lot of my colleagues uh, enjoy the the martial aspect of the, of that stuff, but also train in the traditional arts. And I, I, you know, I'm I'm sad when I I would like to have more young people in their twenties, say, joining my school. I don't find enough of them. And that what they say, you know, I have actually, I've been around long enough so that a lot of kids who've passed through my class are people in their 20s now whom I see around the community. And I go, you know, what would it take to get some of you guys in? They go, oh, everybody's into, you know, MMA now. Yeah. And I, I say, but you're not. You're not doing it. You're just talking about it. You're watching it on TV. You know, what? what would you really be willing to do? Because truth is, as much as they say that's what everyone's into, most people really don't want to do that. They don't want to actually get in there and do it. A lot of good people could gain a lot of good benefit from uh, coming in and working out in the traditional way and enjoy the MMA on TV um, rather than... Saying that's what they want to do, and so what we're doing isn't macho enough, so they just they'll sit on the couch instead. If you see, yeah, me we had a, one of my students. It's a, a little anecdote. I think I told Gene about this before. One of my uh, students, he he's a city worker, and so he works with some you know kind of rougher guys, and you know, or or you know, manly men and whatnot. And and <laughs> and of course, he's studying. He studied some uh, kickboxing and some Brazilian jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. Anyway. Uh, he was some of the guys that he's working with were, you know, like, oh, that karate crap ain't going to work for you. You know, I've been watching UFC and they're all bad and, you know, da 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 and this won't work. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, okay. And so, you know, sometimes they would come up and, like, you know, put him in a headlock from behind or, or grab him or whatever. And, and a couple of times he's come, he's come to me and he said, like, uh, you know, I got to apologize to you. I'm like, oh, what'd you do? And he said, well, you know, guy, he he grabbed me from behind, and you know, so I swept him, and you know, took him down, and you know, put him in an arm lock, or you know, whatever. And uh, and I'm like, oh. I said, did you get in a fight? He says, no, 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 you know, it's just you know, we did that, and they, and they're just you know roughhousing and messing around. And uh, but he said, he said every time he would do that, he would say, you know, and, and, and this is traditional karate. This is this is this is not UFC stuff, and they're like, well, well, that wouldn't work in the ring, or you know, and it's like, well, we're not in the ring, you know. It's Who like cares, you can't, man? You, you can't have it both ways, and of course, and the other thing is, is you know, because he'll he'll say, well, why don't you come to class? And they're like, oh, that stuff won't work, and he's like, it just worked on you, you know, and uh, and so yeah, that's that's kind of the 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 problem that as we as martial arts instructors from a traditional bent, I think run into, is. Yeah, and and I'm sure probably it, it happens in kids. I mean, because with kids you have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and <laughs> Matrix movies and and all this other stuff that you're trying to overcome that hump of the when they get into class they expect to be flying through the air and throwing ninja stars and and all that wow. other stuff. And then adults on the opposite <laughs> expect to be like you know rolling around and blocking people out and choking people out and stuff like that. Right. You know, it's it's interesting that it doesn't affect the numbers of kids coming to traditional classes so much, I think. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. But I perhaps one factor is that most parents don't really want their kids doing that really brutal, violent-looking stuff, but they're happy to have their kids kicking and punching and getting exercise and feeling like they're turning into Superman. And that's great in itself. So, you know, perhaps the future of martial arts is in uh, continuing to teach kids and teach them these values. And it reminds me that I wanted to make sure to address the audience of people who don't want to teach kids or who are afraid to teach kids because they're afraid they won't know what to do. That, okay, I'm listening. That, 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 I think that fear is based 
on a couple of misconceptions about teaching kids, one of which is that uh, you have to baby talk and play games and do stuff that you're probably not used to doing when you teach kids, that you have to be like a kind of stereotypical elementary school teacher or babysitter. And that's not really true. Although there are many uh, people who are excellent teachers who do play a lot of games, and there are some excellent teachers who do talk a little mm, childishly to the kids and make them giggle, there are also teachers like me who are just, uh, I mean, I would describe myself as a cranky old traditional karate teacher. Uh, Perhaps I'm not being completely honest when I say that, but I don't play a lot of games. I don't talk down to the kids. And my point really is that there's room for you to be the kind of person you are and the kind of teacher you are and still uh, be very successful in working with kids. Um, I think uh, the other misconception is that you can't do serious martial arts when you're teaching kids. And although we've already talked about some ways in which uh, kids are a little different and maybe can't reach the same standards, you can teach them serious martial arts in that you can teach them the same basic curriculum, perhaps minus a few arm breaks, uh, or maybe you just need to be very strict with them when you're teaching them those arm breaks. Uh, You can teach them the same serious values that you teach your adult students. And you're working with a group of people who are going to grow up into adult students who are going to be awesome by the time they're 15 if they stick with you. So I think think people who are afraid of teaching kids ought to be required to teach kids. That's my my line that I uh, give everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my my dojo would probably actually like make money if I if I if I taught kids. <laughs> you know, a lot the, of people uh, are taking it up because of the money issue, but I hope they also sincerely want to uh, teach something to those kids. And if they do, it's a great thing. It's a great uh, program, and you can be oh. yourself. You don't have to do it the way you see the guy down the street doing it. You can do it in a way that fits your own personality. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had a, uh, there's a a fellow, a fairly highly ranked individual who basically, you know, he said, like, you know, kids keep a school open, you know, for a commercial school or, you know, a, a, a school that's strong. It's and, and that's one of the things. And, I, and the other thing is I've even tried to start a kid's class. I never had anyone sign up. So uh, I don't know what that says about me. Um, <laughs> what, what I did want to touch on one thing. Uh, uh, with you, with you, Dee, and it's not necessarily about the book, but it does kind of concern the uh, the tips or the traps. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know this. This happened in the summer here in Texas. There was a, a martial arts instructor that was uh, actually arrested for um, uh, child abuse or uh, uh, sexual assault of a child. Um, and uh, uh, many people who who listen to the show and down here in Texas probably know who I'm talking about. And uh, may I, I do need to let him know that, that that he was not convicted. He was arrested. He was released um, uh, because, I guess, they just didn't have enough evidence and there was a time limit, and so they're, they're, they're released. So he is innocent until proven guilty, folks. So let's... let's and I, I know there's probably three or four people writing an email right now. You... I'm just letting you know that the facts of the case, according to the, the liberal media... Are uh, that he was arrested and he's he's been released. He could be picked up again. But um, and so one of the things that we talked about, and I think Gene and I have touched on it before, and I've talked with it on several people that I train with, is how to avoid that sort of thing. Like um, uh, working on the assumption that this is a trumped-up charge. How teaching kids? I mean, do you have anything as someone who you know has written a book uh, uh, focused on kids? the flip side is, you know, do you have any uh, tips for a martial arts instructor to kind of keep themselves kind of safe and, you know, protected from any sort of malfeasance or the uh, appearance thereof? Hmm. So 
I my, I did a little uh, flip in my mind as I listened to you because I thought I was going to be asked tips for parents on avoiding uh, having their kid in a school with a, a molesting instructor. Well, and, that actually that actually goes both ways. I mean, yeah, uh, because and, uh, you know, ter- because if 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 you're you know, I mean, like if we have. Uh, yeah, like at my school, um, we don't have, we just have one room, you know, and I was talking with some people and they were saying like, yeah, you know, if you've got a, a, a dojo, dojang, call it what you will, and you've got like a separate room, you know, don't ever, you know, be alone with the kid, you know, and then, you know, how does that affect training? And mm-hmm. then also like if, you know, I've heard of some instructors, like the parents have to stay in the class with them. Uh, and then if the parent like has to go leave or whatever, the kid has to leave the floor. So that way they're not they're not with them, uh, you know. And there was a wow. whole thing about there was a whole thing in Texas about um, kind of regulating martial arts schools that uh, catered to kids, you know, doing background checks and 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 various sundry other things. Um, so so yeah, it actually probably the tips for parents also reflects on tips for the instructors. So yeah, if you have any of those, I'd love to hear those. Well. <laughs> This is a tough one in a way. I mean, in a way, I, my answer for parents would be uh, to the same way you would watch out for your uh, priest, your school teacher, uh, communicate with your kids, make sure your kids know the things they need to know. Uh, go look in my book, The Five A's of Self-Defense. Uh, talk about... Uh, who it's okay to hang out with. Make sure your kid knows they can tell you if they feel funny about being alone with someone, including a relative. Uh, And that would certainly go for karate teachers. Um, uh, I guess it just occurred to me, I do get a background check because I work uh, technically for the city of Oakland and any employee who works with kids They've got every fingerprint from my hands in the computer in Sacramento, so they know uh, if I've had any parking tickets, I guess. <laughs> but uh, vigilance by parents includes simply educating and talking to their kids about safety issues and interpersonal safety issues. Uh, for an instructor, I guess... Uh, it hadn't occurred to me, but I'm reviewing in my mind how the dojo in Berkeley is laid out. The office has big windows on both sides. There's nowhere where someone would be behind a closed door alone with someone. Um, you behave with uh, care and honor at all times, and one would hope you wouldn't be in a situation where someone would be making a false accusation. Yeah, you know we had a, you know we have our, our martial art our forums, you know our discussion board, and, and one of the things that that came up on the board a while back was you know, like how much, yeah, how uh, how private is a martial art instructor's private life? I mean, how how much do you, you know, interact with your students outside the the school? You know, how much should they know about you? How much should you know about them? You know, that that sort of thing. Uh, and, and I think that probably falls in there. I mean, you know, and, and because when that whole kerfuffle was going on about background checks, my first thought was, who cares? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if they want to do a background check, fine, do a background check. I think that's a, right. you know, some people were looking at it going like, well, you know, that was an added expense. You know, that again, comes back to the money, uh, you know, and it's like, well, yes, but then, you know, if I was a parent and I was seriously looking at a martial arts school for like that, and I, you know, I would not have a problem with going like, you know, do do your instructors have background checks or do you have a background check or, you know, and and be able to go, yeah, you know, here, it just happened six months ago. If you want to look at it, you can look at it. Or, you know, if you want to call the cops or, or however it wants, you know, however you provide that information to, to someone. <clears throat> um, you know, to me, that to me, that's one of those things that it's almost a given is, you know, you should be open as an instructor enough to where people know, you know, you've got a job and, you know, you've got a family, you know, whatever the, the thing is. But yeah, you don't want to leave it so open where that you're leaving yourself open for 
being blindsided by something. Just like you, I don't think you'd want to be, you know, like, like I've had my students over to my house within the context of a, you know, a, a dojo function, like after a test, we all got had pizza and, you know, watched a movie or whatever. But right. everyone everyone was there and parents were there. <laughs> right. Parents, if, if a kid comes to your house, it should be in the context of uh, a party where their parents are there with them or else they're there with their friend and their friend's parents. It, I think it would be probably inadvisable to to be the kind of instructor who had who lived alone and had the children hanging out at the house unsupervised. <laughs> that that would that would look odd to me, and it would seem odd, and it's not something I would ever do. Right. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was just you know <clears throat> I was. At, just wondering if, and if maybe have you been in any situations where you have, in the, in the course of teaching, gone like, you know, this is this isn't a good place to be, you know, or this might look inappropriate, or this, you know, well, or, I, or, or taking steps to avoid it. Yeah, I I actually have not in a not in a major way actually, but I do have uh, at times I've had black belts who were from a very Huggy culture. They uh, they hug their family members, and if uh, if their sister shows up to watch class, they get a big hug. And they also tended to hug the other students. And I felt uncomfortable enough to ask them not to hug people who weren't their relatives when in the dojo. Uh, and and then I at the same time was thinking, you know, it's a real pity that I have to feel this way. Right, but oh, yeah, and that's one of the things I've had to do, like when I do self defense courses and stuff. And matter of fact, I did I I do uh, classes, intro martial art classes for Big Brothers Big Sisters, and so you know there's big sisters there with their little sister, and you know they're minors and whatnot. And so I I tell them like at the front, I said, okay, you know people are going to be touching you if you don't feel comfortable, let everybody know right away, you know da da da, and then. Generally, like when we're doing a technique, like if we're doing, you know, a grab, like a throat grab or, you know, a lapel grab or whatever, you know, I let them know. So like, okay, I'm going to touch you now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so that way, and I let whoever's with them know. I'm like, okay, this is part of the technique. It's not just creepy martial art, dude. <laughs> right. Um, you know, now, and, well, that's a good way to approach it, just to say that this is going to involve touching you. I'm about to touch you. Yeah, because <clears throat> I, I mean, I tell them first thing is like, okay, you're probably going to get hit because this is a martial art, <laughs> and the second is you're most definitely going to get touched. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, how about if we shift gears for for a minute here? Um, uh, the uh, what other projects, uh, literary or otherwise, <laughs> do you have in the offing? Um, well, of course, I Linda and I have the. Uh, desire to complete a volume two for the Kids Karate Workbook. Really? It's, uh, again, another big project, but we want to go on into, if you think of it as a curriculum, what would come next? We'd have more advanced techniques, soft style techniques, as we'd call them in Kung Nu, and uh, mat work a little bit something that a intermediate or in some styles advanced young person would be learning next. Um, I have, uh, I'm always writing various things, but and um, in my non-martial arts identity, I write poetry. <laughs> I'm, I'm always hoping to find somebody who will publish my poetry book. Oh, excellent. <laughs> If you know anybody, <laughs> give them my number, please. <laughs> uh, you're, I, I think you're in those circles a lot closer than than I am. <laughs> well, that's 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 cool. And and for our listeners now, where can they get a copy of your book, the Kids Karate Workbook? Uh, it is available through Amazon, or I would even, as a supporter of independent bookstores, I would urge them to go to their local bookstore and ask for it. They, it can be gotten anywhere. Um, if their store doesn't carry it, they can easily get it uh, because it comes through Random House. Um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll include a, a link to um, the bookstore and the Amazon link as well. 
uh, in the show notes when we uh, when we post the show. So That'd everyone will be able to. You know what would be great is if you would put a link to my blog. Oh, absolutely. Because on the blog we talk about issues about teaching kids, and I have a group of colleagues who contribute ideas, and you guys are welcome to go on there and put in your ideas, any listeners to this show, ideas about teaching kids and questions about teaching kids, and it has links also to information about the book. Well, what's the uh, what's the address? Just go, go and tell us right now, and then we'll, we'll put it in after as well. Okay. It's um, Kids Karate Book dot wordpress.com I can hear, I can hear fingers flying on the, <laughs> the the six people that are listening to us which oh, okay. uh, uh for, for the six people that are uh that are listening to us right now uh live thank you very much for uh um listening to us it's great i mean we we've actually it seems like we get two extra people every time we do these, so uh, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. We, um, yeah, you know, you can uh, get on there, get on her website, and also, um, Didi, if they want to contact you directly, can uh, they just email you, or, or through the, do you want them to do it through the blog? Um, the the blog will work, or they can email me through my uh, dojo address, which is um, well, they can. Write to Didi D I D I at redwooddojo dot com. Redwood <laughs> Redwood hyphen dojo, I should say. I hope I have that yeah. right. <laughs> That's okay. We'll uh, we'll put it all in the show notes for everybody who uh, who doesn't who doesn't who uh, didn't have time to write that down or in traffic listening to this on a uh, podcast because we will actually put this up as a recording show after that. Um, so, and but uh, so a second level, second volume of the kids' karate workbook. Would it be like the kids? It'll be like the the, tw- the tweens' karate workbook at that point, <laughs> or the, the young adults' karate workbook? Well, I don't know. I I think of targeting it at the same reading level. What was your impression of the reading level, Gene? Uh, did you? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I thought uh, it was definitely a, uh, uh, fr- uh, from uh, upper, well, elementary school to junior high. I thought uh, people, uh, kids in, in that age group should have um, uh, no problem comprehending it. And, and again, the, uh, the addition of the illustrations and the pictures, uh, you know, definitely helps. But I, I got the sense that no matter what the kid's age, uh, they'll be uh, working on this stuff with their parents. So, um, and I would highly recommend that uh, if you're uh, working with somebody who's a, a pre-reader or just learning to read. Um, and uh, so I, I think that and anywhere from, from children, of course, with the help of their parents right up through junior high would be, uh, you know, it'd be uh, perfect for them. Yeah, Yeah, you yeah. know, and as you know, an adult reading it, it's also, it's not, you know, it's written in kind of a an active, very you know, like you know, this is easy, you know. Oh, you can just do this, you know. Uh, but it's not. It's it, don't take this away. It's not dumbed down. Oh no, she's not talking down. I mean, you could when when yeah. Dee Dee was saying, you know, she doesn't talk down to her students. You can tell just by reading her book. I mean, this yeah. is probably the way you talk to your students, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 I was, yeah so so in a, as as an adult reading through this, you don't get like you know, okay, you know. <laughs> Thanks for using the small words. It's it's, <laughs> right. it's it's written it's written in a way that an adult can read it and go like, oh, okay, all right, you know. And it, but it it's very active. It keeps you reading. I like I like the way that's written. Yeah, it's it's tough to put down. I mean, uh, because from every chapter you get uh, some ideas. At least I did as an instructor to take back and and try this and explain it a different way. And and uh, you know, it's uh, I think it's helping uh, me to be a better teacher. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad to hear you guys say that. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, we're we're glad we could finally have you on, Dee Dee. It's uh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, we're we've been talking for an hour. It, it's just flown by. Usually our shows are about half hour, forty five minutes. So, where has the time gone? Wow. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed it. Well, we've enjoyed having you. Um, are we ready to wrap there, Paul? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are. Um, Dee, we're gonna we'll put you on mute and please stick around. We'll chit chat after the show in the green room. Um, but uh, again, the book uh, the book's name is the Kids Karate Workbook 
by Dee Dee Goodman, uh, a, a fine instructor and a great writer, and we really appreciate you uh, coming on and talk to us. Well, thanks a lot for having me. You're very welcome, and thanks for being here. Again, uh, Dee Dee's book uh, can be obtained through uh, Amazon.com or visit your local bookstore. Uh, her blog is uh, kidskaratebook.wordpress.com, and you can also reach Dee Dee at Dee at redwood-dojo.com, uh, and we'll put all that information up on our forums uh, for uh, anybody that, uh, if you're not listening to the show live uh, or didn't catch uh, any of that information, will be right there for you. Um, what else we got to talk about here? Uh, some closing business, Paul? Uh, yeah, we can just uh, let everyone know um, real quick that uh, you know we uh, I've been doing the minisodes. The minisodes have gotten a lot of good uh, reviews. Yes, they have. Um, they've um, uh, picked up a few more listeners and uh, 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 some uh, donations at the donation site on the main website, cutoutthekfa.com. Hit the support button. Um, we've had some people buying some stuff through Amazon for our Amazon link. Appreciate that. Um, and also, uh, we're going to have – we had that little uh, survey that we put out, and a lot of people said – Interviews. We love the interviews, which worked out nicely with uh, getting Didi on. Uh, we're going to have a couple more interviews coming at your way. Uh, always open for uh, some suggestions on um, on what, what's going on. We've got, uh, and also, uh, most importantly, uh, some might say, um, is we want to welcome our uh, our new uh, sponsor, uh, Piranha Gear. Uh, Bill Herndon over at Prada Gear has uh, listened to the show. Uh, he's been on the, the forums and um, uh, talked to him a few times, and he's actually uh, sponsoring our show. So uh, we also have uh, the uh, Gojuru Study Guide as, as also uh, a sponsor, and, and we thank both of them. Um, we're going to be rolling out some uh, links and stuff so you guys can get their information. You can go to com and buy all their awesome stuff. We got a couple of really sweet geese from them. Uh, Gene liked it so much, he bought the company. Well, he didn't buy the company, but he bought another gee, right? Absolutely. And, uh, wow. So, uh, anyway, and, uh, we, we liked them so much, we, we, we begged them, and, uh, and so they're, they're, they're helping us up. So go to pranagear.com and hook them up, and, um, go to, uh, the Gojuru study guide, studyguide.com and check them out. We'll have links for them uh, in the show notes and uh, on our website. But um, anyway, we appreciate all the support, and uh, we're uh, we're trying to bring some more interviews to you. Uh, Gene, you got anything else? Yeah. Uh, as always, you can uh, uh, contribute and uh, uh, talk to us uh, through our forums, which can be accessed at www.karatecafe.com backslash forums. And as always, we'll welcome your feedback through uh, email, and uh, you can get a hold of us at karatecafe at gmail.com. Sound about right? That sounds just about exactly correct. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I think that's about it. Gene? Okay. Well, uh, that's it for episode number 66 of Karate Cafe's podcast. We'd like to thank uh, Dee Dee Goodman for joining us today. Uh, again, Didi's the author of the Kids Karate Workbook, a take-home training guide for young martial artists. So uh, for Paul Wilson, this is Gene Myers saying thanks for listening. We'll be back with another edition of Karate Cafe real soon. So long for now. This episode of Karate Cafe was brought to you by Piranha Gear. Go to www.piranagear.com and tell them Karate Cafe sent you.